0: I was, I was going to ask a question to start the message today, but I already know what the answer is to the question. It's, um, the question was going to be, how many of you have ever gotten some, some bad advice? But all of us have gotten bad advice. All of us have gotten bad advice. We, we bought something we shouldn't have bought. We went somewhere we should have gone because somebody gave us some bad advice. I can remember, I remember, this is kind of funny, I was thinking about this, some bad advice I got um, in the fifth grade from fourth grade, I went to private school and fifth grade, I went to public school and it was quite a transition, but I had somebody to help me in my transition. His name, and if you've heard me preach before, you know, this guy, his name was Meatball. Um, I don't think you could call him that today, but, and I didn't call him that. He, I asked him what his name was and he said, my name is Meatball. And I said, really? And he said, no, my name is Vincent, but people called me Meatball. And then there was a reason we called him Meatball, but you can't even talk about that today. So he, actually, actually, after last week, I can. But anyway, he, we were talking one day, and um, every morning when I would wake up, my, when my mother would wake me up, one of my first questions to her was, what are we having for dinner tonight? Because food, listen, food is important to me. I've met people that have said, oh, my gosh, I forgot to eat today. Yeah, I can't identify. That's never happened to me. I've never been like, oh, my gosh, I forgot to eat. Like, that's going to happen. So I would ask, what are we having for dinner? Mom would tell me. And 99% of the time, it was awesome, but there was one particular day, I can remember this, she said, we're having like a oyster stew. Now, if you're an older guy in the South, you love oyster stew. Oyster, you might love oysters. I hate oysters. There's no, don't listen, pause. Every time I talk about this, somebody emails me or reaches out to me on social media going, have you tried them with cheese? okay. That's, to me, that's like saying, have you tried a fish loogie with cheese on it? Okay, <laughs> that's what it looks like. That's what it, I, no, I don't want it with cheese. I don't want it with Tabasco sauce. I've tried it everywhere. I hate it. So I told Meatball, I said, yeah, my mom's making oyster stew and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I don't want it. He goes, man, you should just do what I do. I said, what do you do? He said, well, in my house, well, my mom will bring something to the table I don't want. I just say, Get that crap out of here. I need it. Meatball was kind of like Yoda to me, right? Because two weeks before that, he had told me what a virgin was. And I didn't know. So, like, I I was learning from him. So, that night, when I was sitting at my table, mama brought the food. And you know what? Let me just say this. Meatball gave me some bad advice. I don't really remember what happened after I said it, but I think it's one of those psychological protection things where the world, I'm just kind of protected. I remember my dad looking away. I remember my dad went going, oh, snap. Like, that's how bad it was. But we've all, we've all been in that situation where somebody gave us some advice, and looking back, it wasn't the best advice in the world. And we do that in church world. Now, we don't mean to, but somebody will come up to us, and they're in the middle of a situation where they're... Um, Maybe they're struggling with a particular sin, or maybe they're struggling to make a decision, or maybe they feel stuck, and and this is the advice that we'll give them. First of all, we say, I'm going to pray for you, which we don't, and and it's not because we're mean, it's just we forget. Number two, we tell them, you know, just just wait on God, and he will take care of you. Now, let me pause, because I know what some of you are thinking. Period, 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 Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Yeah, but when, when the psalmist writes that, he's talking about like this inner peace. And some of y'all are like, didn't like, didn't we do a service the other week? Wait on you, I'm going to wait on you. Yeah, we're going to wait on God. But listen, we wait until we receive a word. And after we receive the word, we no longer have the option to wait unless we want to be in a state of disobedience. That was so good. I didn't say that in the first service. Oh, my God. <laughs> If I still use Twitter, I would tweet myself, all right? So that, that's, that's the way I mean, we, we can wait on God until we get a word. And if we get a word, it's, it's no longer waiting. It, it, it's no longer waiting on God. So we've got to be willing to take a step of faith. We've got to be willing to move forward. And a lot of times we'll tell people, just just be still." And some people, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll be still for 20 years. And we'll miss things like miracles. We'll miss moves of God because things are happening. So let me, let me set it up this way. Let me set it up this way. Um, we're going to be talking about the Egyptians and the Israelites out of the book of Exodus. So if you brought a Bible and you want to go along, um, Exodus 14 is where we're going to start. Let me kind of set up the story. If you're from a Bible background, you know this story, but, th- but it'll still be great review. The Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians. And I didn't say this in the last service, but i try to... Say this, I didn't come up with this, but I try to say this anytime I teach on this. At one point, Israel had to escape to Egypt, to, they escaped a famine. So, Israel had 70 people, they escaped to Egypt, but then they got enslaved. By Egypt. So sometimes in life, if we're not careful, the thing we escaped to will eventually become the thing that we need to escape from. Okay? So they escaped to Egypt. Now they need to escape from Egypt because they had been enslaved for 400, over 400 years. Now, I want to pause real quick and say there's a lot of conversations about slavery in our country right now, and they are legitimate conversations. Kinda. Everybody's nervous. I, listen, I talked about my political stuff, but I just wanted to venture into this today. Um, that slavery, Slavery did exist in America, and it was a horrible, horrible blemish for our country. But did you know that there are more slaves in the world today than in the history of the world? Why don't the church... Stop talking about what happened 250 years ago and start dealing with the slave trade crisis that we have today and make a difference over what's going on today. And I love it when people go, oh my gosh, I I, I can't identify with a slave. Yes, you can. A slave is someone who's in a place they don't want to be doing something they don't want to do. That's what a slave is. And you physically, you might be as free as a bird. But spiritually, if you're somewhere you, like like for example, for example, when I was drinking alcohol every single day and getting hammered, I did not want to do that. In fact, every morning I would wake up and tell myself, today I'm not going to do it. By 3 or 4 o'clock, I'm doing it. I was in a place that I did not want to be, doing something that I did not want to do. So I'm not talking as the expert here. I'm talking as a fellow struggler. I mean, I know what that's like. So they're enslaved to the Egyptians. They're somewhere they don't want to be. They're doing something they don't want to do. And that's, I just described some people in this room. I just described some of our our friends online. And so Moses comes in and he's like, um, tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And they get in this big argument and it, And God winds up using 10 plagues to set the the Israelites free. In other words, freedom didn't happen overnight. It was a process. It was a process. And God did some amazing things. Like he sent in flies and gnats, and there's just one plague with frogs everywhere. I mean, it was crazy. And the Israelites saw all these miracles, which is why I always laugh. And I laugh at myself as well as other people when we say, oh, my gosh, if I could just see God do one miracle, I would believe. No, we wouldn't. Because nobody who saw Jesus do miracles in the Bible, like Jesus fed five thousand people with five loaves and two fish. Anybody remember that? Remember that? How many of those people were at the cross? Yeah. So sometimes when we see miracles, like we just kind of forget it. We got to be real careful. Okay. So Moses does ten plagues, and he leads the Israelites out of Egypt, and they are walking toward the promised land. They are. The, the modern-day modern day Israel, that's where they're heading. They're going to inherit the land. They still had to go fight for it. Another message, another time. But they're walking toward the promised land, and they hit this obstacle called the Red Sea. This is a major obstacle because they don't have boats. They, 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 they didn't bring boats with them. They didn't know what they were going to run into. And so all of a sudden, they run into an obstacle. And th- number one, they didn't plan for the obstacle, Number two, they didn't know what to do about the obstacle. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand. I'm just kind of curious. Has anybody ran into something recently that you didn't plan on? That you don't know what to do about it? This is an obstacle. It's serious. I'm I'm not talking. I'm, I'm not talking about they canceled your favorite television show. I'm talking serious obstacle. So they're stuck. Now, while they're here, the Egyptians get together, and they're like, we are idiots. We just let our, our labor force go. And they, there was no minimum wage. Like, they worked for free. And, and so we need to go get them. So they got their chariots and their horses and their army, and they started pursuing the Israelites. And this was not going to go good for the Israelites because they didn't have chariots they didn't have horses, they didn't have weapons, this was going to be, this was not a battle they could win. This would be like the United States Army marching against Pickens County. Now, I know there's somebody here from Pickens County going, we'd give them a run for their money. You would get nuked, sir, all right? I mean, they, they've got you. I mean, I know Pickens County has got some places that, that make everybody nervous, but at the end of the day, Pickens County loses against the United States Army. So here comes the enemy. Now, don't miss this. If you're the Israelites, you've got an obstacle right here, and you've got opposition coming your way. Obstacle, opposition. Obstacle, opposition. What happens when you're stuck in the middle of an obstacle, and opposition, anxiety, every time. Let me, let me say this, and, and, and if I might say it again later on in the message because sometimes I repeat myself. Anxiety, some people say they have anxiety, and you don't have anxiety. You don't. I, I love you, but you don't. You had to wait 10 extra minutes at Chick-fil-A because you are drama and had to get the most complicated thing on the menu and had to get it altered and it took them 10 extra minutes and it freaked you out. That's not anxiety. That's you being a brat. That, there, there's a difference. <laughs> Am I right? I got stuck in traffic. That's not anxiety. Anxiety is I don't know if I'm going to make it another week. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm losing. I'm, it's, it's panicking sometimes over hypothetical situations. And I'm, not, I'm saying that that really does exist. Anxiety is when you're stuck because right here you've got an obstacle. And you don't see any way through the obstacle. But you can't go back because you're either going listen, if the enemy gets you, you're either captured or you're killed. That's a tough place to be. By the way, by the way, Jesus is known in in the New Testament. He's called many times the prince of peace. Jesus says that if we, in Philippians, that he gives the peace that passes all understanding. If peace is the primary emotion associated with Jesus, what do you think the primary emotion associated with Satan would be? Anxiety. Let me ask you this question: Satan doesn't know the future, but he can anticipate the future. Would you agree with that? So, so what if? What if, does it seem like? Just over the past ten to fifteen to twenty years, the world has become a more anxious place. Yes or no? Yes. What if Satan is anticipating the return of Jesus happening very soon and because he's growing more anxious, he's trying to make us feel more anxious, hypothetically? I've had people ask me, do you think we're living in the end times? This is always my answer. We've never been closer than we are right now. I might preach on that at the end times. It, it makes everybody nervous and scared. And, and Here's what's weird. Let me pause. Christians get nervous about going to heaven. <laughs> Was it Loretta sent lynn saying a song, everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to die? I mean, <laughs> I can't wait to see Jesus. When he comes back tomorrow, I hope he don't come back tomorrow. <laughs> I, I kind of do. But anyway, so, so there's anxiety. When you're stuck between an obstacle and opposition. But don't worry, in steps Moses, with the worst advice ever. Not taking anything away from Mo. He had never been in this situation. He didn't know what he was doing. Um, But this is the worst advice ever. This is the first thing he says. And on the surface, it sounds okay. But it's a trigger. You know what a trigger is? Okay, here we go. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Now, typically, that's a, that's a good thing. Like, don't live in fear. Like, we should not live in fear. There's some people that live in fear, and, and you should not live in I'm trying not to live in fear. Just the other day, I didn't tell the last service this, but just the other day, I was working out in my garage. I had two dumbbells, and I, and I pushed them together. And when I did, a spider fell off of this dumbbell onto my face. I didn't. Literally, I didn't mess myself. I didn't scream. I didn't yell. I I I passed out. But but after I woke up, I was fine. Like I'm I'm not going to live in fear. I don't I don't walk out every day now and inspect the dumbbells and make sure there's no spiders. Don't live in fear. In fact, don't be afraid. That phrase appears in the Bible 366 times. In other words, there's one for every day of the year, including leap year because February 29th can get weird. All right. So so God is telling us we should not live in fear. But here's the problem about telling somebody, don't be afraid. Our minds are wired to do the thing that people tell us not to do. For example, don't think about a red dog. Don't think about a red dog. Don't think about a red dog. How many of y'all thought of Clifford? Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Some of y'all don't know who Clifford is. That's fine. <laughs> he, he's, he's a friend of mine from Ava. Um, but but Cliff, Cliff Clifford the big red dog. Once you tell somebody not to do something, that, like if, if, if I'm just standing in the lobby after the service and somebody walks up to me and says, don't be afraid. I'm grabbing a gun, man. Like, I like don't just walk up randomly and tell me that. So Moses thinks he's helping them. He, he, Moses, is like, all right, I gotta do something, I gotta do something. Don't be afraid. Okay, well, we were fine until you said that. And now we just messed our drawers. We need some depends, like things are getting real, right? Here we go. But Moses told people, don't be afraid. Now, this is this is horrible advice. Watch this. Just stand still. And watch the Lord rescue you today. Now, this is a partial truth. The Lord was going to rescue them. But the just stand still part, if they would have listened to Moses, they would have gotten either captured, killed, and they would have definitely missed a miracle. Hypothetically, let's say your spouse is no, let's not use that. Let's say the person you love the most, because this could go bad. If I just the person you love the most, the person you love the most, you'll see why in a minute. Let's say that we're out on Clemson Boulevard, just right out here, and they're standing on the like in the other the, like the far lane. There's four lanes. They're standing in the far lane, and you're looking at them, and you can see from this direction. There's a transfer truck approaching them at 120 miles an hour. You have, you don't have the chance. You couldn't grab them, you couldn't run, you couldn't dive for them. All you can do is see this truck barreling down on them. This is the person you love me. See, so now you see why I didn't say your spouse. This is the person, you, some of y'all are like, I got a life insurance policy. <laughs> I, I hit close to home for some people, didn't it? Anyway, it's the person you love the most, and the transfer truck's coming, and you go, be still and know that he is God. And they're over there like, yes. No, if you see somebody in the middle of a situation like that, you don't say, be still. You say, move. And that's the G-rated version, all right? I try to keep it G-rated sometimes, sometimes. You say move, but, but Moses is telling them, just, just be still. And we do that sometimes. Just, just be still. Let go. And let God. I don't even know what the freak that means. I saw that on a T-shirt one time. I'm like, you should get another T-shirt. That's horrible. Watch this. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Now, that's true. That part was true. That part was true. I'm not throwing Moses under the bus. I mean, we've all said stupid stuff before. The Lord Himself will fight for you. Now that part was true as well. Moses gonna fight. Just stay calm. In other translations, he, he says again, just be still. So I can see the Israelites going, oh. Well, this guy, everything he says so let's just, you know what, let's just get the chair out, we'll just kind of get the little thing, little umbrella, and let's get the Yeti, and let's get that can that tells us when it's cold. Um, the mountains are cold. The mountains are blue, so it's cold. Um, oh, some of y'all know what that means, right? Some of y'all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is all, this is why you come to this church. Um, if you don't know what that means, the people that are laughing are just pagans. They're just, we're, just, we're horrible people. Anyway, so, so let's just say they just can't, they're just, we're just going to watch God, do some... I know there's an obstacle over here, so obviously... Oh, and by the way, by the way, by the way, I've heard people say, if you're godly and you're following Jesus, you'll never run into obstacles. (laughs) The only problem with that is like, I don't know the whole freaking Bible, right? Like Paul, the Apostle Paul, his life was actually pretty good until he started following Jesus. Then he lost everything he had, got thrown in prison, and got killed. So, So... the fact that you're facing an obstacle doesn't mean you're ungodly. It means you're human. <laughs> Oftentimes it means you are following Jesus and Satan is trying to stop you. So all the Israelites have been told, just be still. Moses is kind of feeling good about himself. In fact, he gets out his phone. He's, he's putting that on Instagram. He's doing a TikTok video. Y'all should be still and, you know, whatever. Watch what happens. Because God sometimes will just kind of let us get all the stupid out. I know that he does this for me. Sometimes I just I just say stupid stuff, but then God God goes, are you are you are you are you done? Are you mm, good? Sit down before you hurt yourself. <laughs> Cause don't miss this. Now, before I move on, I'm trying. I'm not dragging this out on purpose. I'm just telling you. I've heard entire messages preached on this, like in, entire congregations told by their pastor be still and let the Lord fight for you. And everybody leaves and they get their butts kicked that week. You know why? Because of the very next verse in the story. Moses told them to what? Be still. Watch this. I love this. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to We have a problem here. Moses, like, be still. What do you think, God? Oh. Move! (laughs) He's losing his mind. God God let Moses finish. He was like, Are you done? Are you done? Good. Move. Completely contradicts what Moses had just told. That was a beautiful speech. I mean, they were making t-shirts and everything. And God goes, Yeah, that's awesome. Move now. If you're Moses, you're like, Well, wh- I, I mean, which way? Because I mean, do we, do we fight the Egyptians or do we work through the obstacle? By the way, here's the answer always move toward the obstacle, not the op- opposition. If we move toward the opposition, we always get unfocused. There's no reason to go back to the place that God delivered you from. I needed to say that for somebody in this room. There's no reason to go back to the place that God delivered you from. It's crazy that that it took just a short amount of time to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites many times we keep trying to go back to the place that God delivers us from. We don't move toward the opposition. We look at the obstacle because God has a way of taking obstacles, no matter how big they are, and taking those obstacles and turning them into an opportunity. So what if we stopped looking at whatever we're facing as an obstacle and we started saying, this is an opportunity for God to show out. And I know it's big, and I know it looks impossible, and I know it seems overwhelming, and I know there's anxiety, but at the end of the day, anxiety causes Listen, if we give in to the enemy, we get captured or killed. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But if we'll walk toward that obstacle. Now, if, if, you're, if you're Moses, you're like, okay, get moving. And it's a little confusing. And, and, and pick up your staff. And raise your hand over the sea. Pause. Moses had never done that before. Now, he'd done some cool stuff with a staff. First time he ever did anything with a staff, God said, throw it down. Threw it down. Came a snake. God said, pick it up. That's where I'd have said, no. <laughs> but Moses did, right? And he, he did some cool stuff, but he's never done this. The, the reason we get anxious sometimes is because God's asking us, to take a step and do some stuff we've never done before. It doesn't mean you're ungodly. It it means you're gonna have to trust God in this situation. Watch this. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water. Now, if you're Moses, does this sound a little impossible? Divide the water? Divide the water, okay? Divide the water, why? So the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. This seems impossible unless God's involved. So, so what is the step? What is that thing that you need to do? Because there's some people here that maybe you feel stuck. Anxiety is overwhelming you because you're stuck between the opposition and the obstacle. And, and you've had this attitude maybe, and I know, I know I've gotten stuck because of this attitude. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. But God is saying, move. what's that step you need to take? What's that thing you need to do? Maybe, maybe it's confession. Confession. Because here's what I know about most people in church today. Nobody in church today, to, showed up today, wondering if what you're maybe struggling with is a sin. Like nobody walked in here today and you sat down and said, God. This pornography thing has got me. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I kind of hope he talks about it today. I walk out and say, point number one, porn is bad. Oh, wow, that's good. Porn is bad. i want to write that down. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm doing it, but porn is bad. Number two, stop watching porn. Oh, I got to write that down. Stop watching porn. Number three, seriously, knock it off. Okay, got that. Knock it off. Man, that was amazing. I had no idea that porn was wrong and now I know porn's wrong and we'll go home. Like nobody here, by the way, y'all feel the tension? It's just the porn people. Um, but you feel the tension? It's 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 in the room, it's in the room, you feel it. See, see, I would tell you not to try to figure out if something's right or wrong. Look at what you're doing and that that it's probably wrong and confess it. Now, we don't talk about confession a lot, and here's why we don't talk about confession a lot, because the church is all about your image. It's all about how you look. You got to look like you have it together. How many times, though, have we seen people that it looks like on the outside they have it all together and all of a sudden one day their life seemingly implodes for no reason and the reason it imploded is at some point along the way they never felt the freedom to actually step in and admit what they're struggling with. I heard it said not too long ago and it's so true. The church has no problem believing in the concept of original sin. We're just surprised when people do it. So one of the reasons we created Second Chance is because I want this to be the safest place on the planet that you can confess what you're going through. You can confess sin. Every week, we have an invitation time. During that invitation time, the invitation is always open to walk out the back doors and hang a left. To the left is our care team. These are people that we trust, that you can trust, and listen, you're not gonna shock them. Confession, Listen, I know from personal experience, it shatters the shackles that hold us back from stepping into the obstacle slash opportunity that God has for us. And you know where I learned the power of confession? When I went to treatment. I heard it said not too long ago, Alcoholics Anonymous used to meet in church basements, and I heard it said there's more honesty going on in church basements than there are church sanctuaries. If you think that church is a place for people who have it all together. You came to the wrong place. I'm a messed up, broken, jacked up sinner who if it were not for the grace of God would bust hell wide open and so are you. So let's stop pretending. I'm just saying this is a a place where it's okay to confess. I'm wrestling with this and I need help and not worry about what other other people are going to think of you, because here, <laughs> man, I, I just tell you, for me, when somebody confesses, it's respect. It's respect. Uh, maybe, maybe the maybe the thing is authenticity. When I say authenticity, why don't you just admit you, you're not in a good place? Do you know how much weight would be lifted off your shoulders? If you're not in a good place and you just admitted that you're not in a good place, but we lie every Sunday and we tell the same lie. We all tell the same lie. How are you doing? Fine. <laughs> frustrated, insecure, negative, and evasive. That's what fine stands for. I'm frustrated, insecure, negative, and evasive. How are you? Like we wouldn't say that, but that's what we mean when we say fine. Like what if we just said, I'm not really doing, in fact, this week sucked. In fact, why not just model that? Y'all, for me personally, this week sucked. It did. It really did. And, and let, let me tell you why. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other morning. I, was, I listened to a podcast when I run. I was running on this podcast. I, was, I, I wasn't running on the podcast. I was running and listening to the podcast. And the guy doing the podcast, I don't know the guy. I don't think he knows me. I don't think we've ever met. He's talking about like um, church and, and all this other stuff. And then he was like, you know, there's some really bad examples of church leadership. And then he used my name so I'm just running. I was like, what? I didn't hear that. And then he did it again. And that, that'll put you in a bad place. And then two days ago, I was reading an article written by a guy that I know very well. And he was talking about church leaders that have fallen. He was like, da-da-da-da-da, and then there's Perry Noble's name. So I, I immediately texted him. I was like, listen, and, and we, we're, things are great. We're good now. We're, we're great. He's, I love the guy. But that'll put you in a bad place. Did you know that? Now, let me pause real quick, tell you what not to do. Not just to me, but to anybody that's going through a situation. Because you've had, had, you've had this happen before. Like this overwhelming situation is coming at you, and somebody's came up to you and said, man, don't even let that stuff bother you. Do you, do you know how insensitive that comes across? Because they're not saying it about you. That would be like me walking up to a man after the service. Let's say we're out in the lobby, and I walk up to you and I give you the hardest kick in the nuts you've ever received in your life. And after it's over, I go, man, don't let that bother you. None of you are going to go, oh my God, I feel so much better. Thank you so much. No, that hurts. awesome would it be a play how awesome would it be to just be real because some people here's the reason you're stuck in anxiety you keep telling people that you're fine and you're not you're freaked out but when we talk about it out loud and we say that you know I was in the lobby um, between the services and I was talking to a friend of mine and I asked her how was your week she went same as yours I went thank God (laughs) we just kind of celebrated the fact that we could be real you don't have to be fake. What would happen if you just were like, you know what? I'm wrestling right now. I'm wrestling with this problem. I'm wrestling with this issue. I'm wrestling with my children. I'm wrestling with my parents. I'm wrestling in my marriage. I'm re-. What if we got real and talked about what we were really struggling with? Because when we get real, the enemy loses his grip. And last but not least, last but not least, I say it all the time. Everybody has a next step. What's your next step? What's your next step in your faith journey? Everybody in this room, everybody watching online right now has a next step. Confession, authenticity, it could be something else. What is your next step? So, so Moses is trying to lead through this obstacle. The opposition is coming his way. And if you're Moses, if you're Moses, you're like, all right, I can see... The whole sea thing sounds to me like you got that worked out, God. That's incredible. Still don't really know how I'm going to do that, but you said it'd work. But God, there's a problem. I'm going to go through this obstacle, which you say is going to work out. Now, I've never seen that before. By the way, when you've never seen it before, that's just called a miracle, and he still does miracles. So I've never seen that before. But God, um, the Egyptians are closing in, and I can't fight them and go through the obstacle at the same time. So anything you can do, I'd really appreciate it. Now, I I don't know that that happened. I just imagine that prayer happened because of what happens next in the text. Watch this. God says, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in After the Israelites. Now, at first, that doesn't sound good. So we're going to go through the sea, and the Egyptians are coming after you. Yeah, okay, sounds good. And then he says, "This my great glory will be displayed." Pause. In the middle of a problem, God, I'm not really concerned about your glory, right? But when you get on the other side, you can say, "Man, God really did get the glory through it all." But but it's kind of hard to be concerned with the glory of God when you're about to get killed. So if you've, if you've ever, because you'll, <laughs> you'll meet those people. What you're going through, it's going to be for the glory of God, brother. First of all, ain't you a freaking brother. Second of all, but, but God will get glory out of it. And by the way, when God gets glory, you get joy. You, you don't separate those two things. When God gets glory, you get joy. So God starts talking about something that at the time doesn't seem important to Moses, but at the end of the day, it's going to be super important. He tells Moses, he said, my great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops. Huh? Hold up, God. We're the good guys. How are you going to display your glory through the enemy? Sounds backwards to me, God. Sounds to me like you would say that your glory is going to be displayed through us. But how are you going to use the enemy hell-bent on destroying us for your glory? Did you know that God will take the opposition coming against you and use that opposition for his glory and your joy, you want me to prove it to you? There was a Roman cross that was used for execution. And God said, I'm going to use that weapon of the Romans for my glory. If he can do it with a bloodstained cross, if he can do it with the largest army in the world, he can do it with us today. God will bring glory through our enemies being defeated. Watch this. He said... He said, I'll bring my great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. Don't miss this. The thing that you're most afraid of, that's the thing I'm going to take care of. That's a word for somebody today. That thing that you're most afraid of, that's the thing God said if you'll follow me, if you'll take that step of faith, I'll take care of it. If you stand still, it's on you. But if you'll follow me, I'll take care of it. When my glory is displayed through them, all of Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. God will even let your enemies know who he is. Then he goes on to say this. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. Don't miss this. As the Israelites were going through the desert and they didn't know where to go, there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It's pretty easy to follow God when you have a pillar of cloud and at night there's a pillar of fire. Huh, the fire's going that way. Think I'll walk that way because that's where the fire is. So it's really easy to follow God. That's how they got to the place where they faced the obstacle. You know sometimes God will intentionally lead us to an obstacle so we have to learn to trust him in that situation. But don't miss this. God took the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and he didn't stay in front of the Israelites He moved behind them in order to place separation between his people and the enemy. God moved. Now, now why did he do this? This is so strategic and this is so beautiful and it's so relevant to us today. Watch this. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other All night long. Let me ask you this question. Was God setting them up for success? Yes or no? Yeah, God was supernaturally setting them up for success. God God didn't wipe out the enemy, but God said, I'm going to put something between you and the enemy and set you up for spiritual success in a way that you could never have thought of or imagined on your own, but you've still got to take the step. So God moved. Can you imagine the Israelite, you're like, I wonder if God's in this. And all of a sudden, fire goes over your head. And it comes and, and it gets between you, the Egyptians. And the Egyptians, if you're an Egyptian and a pillar of fire falls, you're like, you know what, God, hold off for a minute. Hold off, hold off, hold off. So, so he holds off the enemy So they can move through the obstacle. Now, let me ask you a question. If they decided not to move through the obstacle, what happens? Captured, killed, miss a miracle. So, God said, and the reason I'm saying that is because God's setting somebody up for success today. If you'll take that step of faith, I will handle the opposition coming against you. Now, watch this this is beautiful. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea. Now, I'm pretty sure this was not an immediate. Pfft. Moses wasn't sure. I'm, I'm sure he walked up to the sea. He was like. It started moving a little bit. He's like, oh, snap, this is working. So by the end, he's like this right here. It's kind of like how some people worship. Like when you first start coming to church, you're like this. Like within six months, you're like this right here. But, but that's, what, that's what happens. And I don't blame him. Now watch this because I want to blow some people's mind. I, I said this last service, and, this, and somebody was telling me after the service that I've never seen that before. It's so cool. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path. Who opened up a path? The Lord. But how did the Lord open up a path? Moses raised his hand. If Moses doesn't raise his hand, the Lord does not open a path. If we don't take a step, God does not open the path. So once Moses moved, God moved. And by the way, God's move was way more impressive than Moses' move. Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. I've always imagined it like Moses got up, staff hand, said like part. (laughs) Happened immediately. It didn't happen immediately. It took all night for the sea to part. See, sometimes God doesn't work as fast as we want him to. It doesn't mean he's not working. So Moses is watching and he's watching the seabed part. And then, so the people of Israel walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Was this faith for the Israelites? Absolutely. I get nervous when I go to the aquarium in Atlanta right because like you're sitting there and the sharks swimming around and I always get nervous because I'm like that thing could I've seen too many movies that thing could break out and it'll eat me it'll eat you it'll eat Atlanta it'll just eat all of Atlanta <laughs> and, it, and if it does I hope it eats all the traffic problems too because but like I'm freaked out can you imagine being an Israelite going walk through that water and you get in the middle, I don't know about you, but I'm a skeptic. And I get in the middle of that water and I look at a wall here and I look at a wall here. Are you scared? Absolutely. Somebody, like, oh, I would have followed because it was gotten out. No, you've never seen God do this. So you're in the middle of a miracle. Do you listen? It's okay to be a little freaked out even when you're in the middle of a miracle. They're walking through, they, they, they are blown away. God is delivering them, and then watch what happens. This is so crazy. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. Which, if you're the Israelites, you don't want that happening. At some point, the pillar of cloud left, and here comes the enemy. And, and the reason, don't miss this, when you're walking through your miracle in your step of faith, don't think that the enemy's not going to pursue you. The enemy is still coming after you. I wish I could tell you it wasn't true, but he's coming after you. But God will let the enemy pursue you up until the point where you can truly see how God's going to destroy, not you, but the work of the enemy in you. (laughs) Do you know that God, God, see too many people think God wants to destroy me. There are people here, God wants to hurt me. God wants to, no, no. He does not want to destroy you. He wants to destroy the work of the enemy in you and around you. God wants to destroy the work of the enemy. I was having a conversation recently with somebody. They said, so uh, what's it like to be an alcoholic? I said, I wouldn't know. They laughed. I didn't. I'm serious about this stuff. I stared him straight in the face. I said, I'm not an alcoholic. He said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. All alcoholics say that. And, uh, you know, the very fact that you're saying you're not one means that you. He said, I read some stuff about you. And with with me, I'm 50 and unfiltered now. I don't care. I'm like, yeah, you read some stuff about people that don't even know me. He said, but you're an alcoholic. I said, no. I'm not alcoholic. I am a child of God. That's who I am. And I'm talking to some addicts in the room. But by the way, our church, we have, a, we have a lot of addicts and former addicts that come here. And let me tell you what I've learned about wrestling with an addiction. You will never, ever, ever hear me identify myself as an alcoholic. Because once I identify myself as an alcoholic, I give power to the sin that used to dominate my life. I will not speak that over me. God paid too high of a price. For me to identify with the dysfunction that nearly destroyed me. And if that's you, you're not an alcoholic. You're not an addict. You are a child of God. And a child of God should be identified as a child of God and not what the enemy held us in chains with for far too long. So no, I'm not an alcoholic. I am blood-bought. I am spirit-filled. Jesus loves me. I have a plan. He has a plan and a hope and a purpose for me. And he has the same thing for you too don't let the enemy attach on you his identity and and in doing so let God's identity go by the wayside God wants to deliver you not only from the grip of the enemy but from the identity that the enemy wants to stamp on you to hell with the devil I didn't say that in the last service. That was, <laughs> <laughs> But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. You know the, the, the problem you're worried about? If you just let God, God will throw it into total confusion. Watch how he did it. This is kind of crazy. He twisted their chariot wheels. See, the Israelites couldn't have done that. They didn't have like a group of teenagers sneak off in the middle of the night and kind of unloosen their chariot wheels. It, God started doing stuff that, that watch what it caused them to say. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. You know it just got real when the enemy is saying the Lord's fighting for you. And watch this. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, by the way, how many of the Israelites? All. See, I'm tired of the myth that God wants some of his children to make it and some of his children just to die in the middle of the Red Sea. God wants his children. walk out of slavery and into freedom. So when all their lives have reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. In other words, everything that you're worried about, once you get to where I've called you to be, just raise your hand and watch me handle it. You know, sometimes when I raise my hand and worship, Sometimes when my hands go up, I'm just caught up in the moment, but sometimes that's literally me telling God, God, I'm surrendering to you the enemy that I can't beat on my own. There are people here stuck between an obstacle and an opposition. And if you turn this way, Turn this way, it overwhelms you. You get captured or killed spiritually. But if you'll face that obstacle, you'll discover that God takes obstacles and turns them into opportunities for His glory and for your joy. You're going to get joy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you where I'm at today compared to where I was five years ago. I've got more joy in my life than I've ever had. and it's not because I'm so smart and I'm so godly and I'm so good. It's just along the way I would wake up every morning and go, all right, God if you'll show me what to do today, I'll give him my best shot. And God will take care God takes care of all that stuff. In fact, Next verse says, so as the sun begins to rise, I love that. So as the sun begins to rise, so you got the sun and God does some of his greatest miracles at the sunrise, like the resurrection happened with the sunrise because the resurrection's all through the scripture and that's just for the Bible nerds in the room, but I'll keep moving on. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. So you, you don't even have to fight that battle. See, if they would have t- turned around and tried to fight the battle, they would have lost. And there's some people in this room, you're trying to fight battles, and God's going, no, 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 no. Give me me that battle back. Give me that battle back. Let me have that battle, and you move on. Well, God, I don't know. I mean, I, I would rather fight the enemy than walk into uncertainty. But God does some of his greatest works when we're willing to step into uncertainty. That's called faith. And so, so the Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, all of the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. Do you think on the other side of the sea when they had made it through their obstacle and they saw their enemy destroyed, do you think they wrestled with anxiety? No, their worry actually broke out into worship, we see that later on in the text. God can take the situation that you're in the middle of right now that's causing you so much anxiety that you don't even know if you're gonna make it through the week, he can take that situation and one day turn it into something that you worship over. I'm telling you, I thank God that he brought me through what he's brought me through. I thank God that I've seen some of the things I've seen. I thank God that I felt some of the things I felt. It wasn't great at the time, But I'm telling you, if you'll focus on the obstacle instead of the opposition, he'll bring you through it in ways you could never imagine. With all that in mind, what's your next step of faith? He split the sea so they could walk right through it. And if he did it for them, he can do it for us. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just wanna ask you on behalf of every single person in this room, every single person watching online, God, that we would know what that next step of faith is. Is it confession? Is it authenticity? Is it something else? And God, that we would know. God, that you didn't give us the miracles in the scriptures so we could admire people of the past. You gave us the miracles so we could say, God, if you did it for them, you can do it for me. Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus, you say that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, God, so we know. We know you are able to part the seed. And I pray for every single person today, God, that our focus would be on the opportunity and our obstacle rather than the opposition of the enemy. Jesus, may we know that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask for or imagine. May we sing that we are your children. May we declare that we belong to you. May we know, Jesus, that this opposition will not define us, and that you are greater. Jesus, I just want to pray for the for the person here today, God, that feels stuck between opposition and obstacle. Jesus, that you, God, would speak to our hearts so clearly and let us know what our next step is. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if your next step is confession, you want to talk to somebody on our care team, I want you to just step out of your aisle right now and walk out the back doors and to the left and there's volunteers that will meet you there. Maybe it's not somebody on our care team. Maybe you need to pick up your phone and text a friend right now and say, we need to talk today. I need to talk today. We need to get through this today. I need some help today. Maybe your next step is understanding that you are a child of God, that you are not what you did, that Jesus has delivered you or he will deliver you from that. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. So you can't say, I'm a child of God. Jesus loves you and died on a cross and wants to save you. And so if you want to give your life to Christ today, then right where you stand right now, I want you to pray this with me in your heart. If you want to give your life to Christ, I want you to just pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus... I receive you into my life come in and take over in Jesus name heads bowed and eyes closed if you just prayed that prayer right where you're standing if you just prayed that prayer would you do me a favor I want you to hold your hand up I don't want you to hold it high because I want to pray with you I want to pray for you I want to celebrate with you You just put it up real high if you're online amen 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 father I want to thank you for these hands in the air I want to thank you for these men and women that have taken a step of faith God, they step out of death and into life today. They step out of the old and into new. Father, they are your children, and I pray that they will remember this day for the rest of their lives. God, I pray for every single person in this room that we would know, Jesus, that we belong to you. Our identity would be found in you. Our identity would be wrapped up in you. That we would know that we can walk in victory because of the work you did on the cross. Jesus, may our mentality be victorious. May our mentality be full of hope and full of peace because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Everybody the agree with this prayer said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, I'm glad. I can't wait to see you guys back here next Sunday. God bless. Y'all have a great week.